Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. In this week's episode, I get to chat with Bob Clygett, who you might know from his YouTube channel, I Like to Make Stuff. I've been a big fan for years and was pumped to finally get to chat. Bob shares about how he started his channel out of necessity to get up and do something with his hands and share the journey, and found making videos was easier than blogging. He chats about how he learned welding through trial and error alongside some help from people on the internet. He talks about one of his recent videos where he made a DIY powder coating setup. We chat about what a maker is, and then he gives some advice to people looking to get into the welding or making world. We dive in after a quick word from our sponsors. When it comes to welding, most people think the danger lies in the fire and electricity. But what you learn fast when you strike up and get a whiff of fumes is how terrible those can make you feel, especially after a long day of work. Welding creates fumes that can be hazardous and you need them out of the way. Luckily, Donaldson has come up with some cool stuff to help welders. They make fume extraction equipment for major fabricators, smaller shops, and everything in between. They've been around for more than 100 years, so they know what they're doing. Weld fumes are no joke, so learn how to protect yourself. Head over to Donaldson.com to check out their stuff. You'll be glad you did. Do you want to introduce yourself to the audience just in case they're not familiar with you and your work? Absolutely. My name is Bob Cloggett. I run a YouTube channel called I Like to Make Stuff. And for man, almost 10 years now, I've been just making stuff on the internet. And it's different from week to week. It's just kind of whatever's interesting to me and whatever new thing I want to try out, I just get to make it. And I absolutely don't know what I'm doing most of the time. Just put that <laughs> caveat out there. <laughs> but that's that's the cool part. I feel like you always learn more when you don't know what you're doing. You know, it's like when you try it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, like everybody has different learning styles and stuff. Mine is not the, I'm going to go do a whole bunch of research and figure out all the details. Mine is like, I'm going to put my hands on it and do it wrong a few times. And then I'll understand why it didn't work. And then I'll do it better. Maybe <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my style. And I get well, yelled at a lot in comments for that because they're like, well, why didn't you just go look this up? Your friend so-and-so has a video on whatever. Sometimes you just got to fail to learn it yep. yourself. That's right. And the internet is a very, it's a, it's a hostile place. You know, those comment sections could be pretty hostile. It can be, but it can also be really uplifting. I mean, I've learned over the years that angry people are usually loud people. And a lot of times encouraging people are just not as loud. They're out there. You just got to listen for them and try to, you know, tune out the, the loud negative stuff. And you'll find there's a lot of, a lot of community and a lot of uplifting people around if you're willing to listen for it just got to do a little digging yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> what made you want to start your channel because like that's that's how i discovered your work i've been a fan of your channel for years like what made you want to get into youtube and sharing your projects back when i started this i was uh, i did software engineering for a long time 
And so I was sitting at a computer all day. I had a couple of young kids at that time, like really young. And I needed to get up from the computer to use my hands, you know, just to do something. So I was trying to justify time that was not being paid and time that was not with my infants (laughs) and my wife, you know. And so I needed it, but I also felt like I needed to justify it to myself. And so I ended up making some blog posts originally about whatever I was working on, just like somebody else will find it useful, maybe. And that's enough justification for me to have this little like air quotes selfish time, you know, that I can just do the thing that I needed to do. And I found out that shooting video of it was actually easier. There was a lot less friction to video than there was to blog posts for me. It was just like, having to write and take pictures and, you know, video was just easier. So I started making videos and it's been, I don't know. It's like I started falling down a hill and then I've just been falling down a hill for 10 years and now I do videos for a living. <laughs> That's a big hill, man. That's yeah, a big it hill. Is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Who inspired you to just start making stuff? Like where did you learn woodworking and all these different trade skills? I mean, honestly, I've learned it. Uh, along the way. I I have no training in any of this stuff. I have never really spent a lot of time with anybody who has done these things. Now, growing up, my one of my grandfathers was a contractor. And so he was always on construction sites. I never really learned a lot of stuff from him. But just his general persona was like, I'm going to go build some stuff. My other grandfather was a woodworker and a carver and a painter. And actually, I'm in his house right now. Like when he passed, we bought his house. And so I took over his shop and I took over his all the space and everything. So he built a lot of stuff. My dad built a lot of stuff. And I never spent a whole lot of time in the shop with them, you know, like getting instruction. But I was just kind of always around it. And I think the bigger thing than the actual skills that I got from all three of those guys was the mentality of just go for it. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, they all were self-employed. They all were go-getters pretty confident in themselves and just willing to go do a thing because it needed to be done. And I think that probably did a lot more for my ambition than a skill set because the skill sets, you can just keep adding them. You can keep learning them. You can always get better at them. But the drive to be willing to do something and the initiative to like accomplish anything at all is the thing that a lot of people just never get to see growing up. And I was surrounded by it. So I was really lucky in that way. That is super lucky. My path, like music, I was always super driven. And I like, I love music. And I'm I'm excited to talk to you about music because you do a lot of music for your videos. And I saw you build your studio. And yeah, yeah. And you build a lot of guitars too, which I I have. I've done a few. (laughs) (laughs) But like when I got into welding, there was this different mindset, you know, it's like, because it's like a, a trade skill. It's a, feasible path it's not subjective you know music and art is subjective like one person can like your your song or your art piece and then the next person might not be for them but like when you're doing trade skills like welding or woodworking or whatever kind of skill there's an actual feasible this is right and this is wrong and this is why you know and like i feel like that's the cool thing about trades and making things is that there's at the end of it, you get to hold something and you could tell if you did it right or wrong, you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, and honestly, I do struggle with that part of, of content creation a little bit because the content itself 
So every week I will make a thing and then I make a thing about the thing, right? And so the video is the subjective thing that you're talking about. It's the one that people may watch, they may not watch, they may like it, they may hate it, whatever. I still end up with the physical thing, uh, but in my case, I don't sell those things. So the physical thing doesn't pay my bills. The subjective opinion on the video or the output of you know the media, that's the thing that pays my bills. And so I definitely feel both of the parts of what you're talking about. You know, I've, yeah. lived, I've lived both of those worlds and I go back and forth between which one is like safer or more fulfilling. I mean, they're, you know, they're both great in different ways. Yeah, it's it's a teeter totter. We're always going to be on. It is. Yeah, it is. Well, you also do a, a decent amount of welding. Like welding's not in every single project that you do, but you, no. I've seen you weld many a time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how did you learn how to weld? Was that another one of these? You just kind of picked it up or because it's kind of hard to get into it without like either a buddy showing you or going to a maker space somewhere that has like equipment where you could try it before you buy it type of thing. Yeah. You know, I would totally suggest doing what you just said. I did not do that. <laughs> I, I, you're right. It, it is something. And actually we were, so I have a podcast with Jimmy Dresta and David Picciuto called making it. And the other day, we were talking about this very thing and talking about aluminum welding and how oh. I struggled with it so much. And I still struggle with it and sitting down for 10 minutes with somebody who knows what they're doing would propel me forward a lot. Like I know that, but I just don't make it a priority to do that little bit of in-person instruction. But I, I agree. That's absolutely the way to do it. The way I actually got started welding was, um, I bought a Vespa, a 1962 Vespa that came out of a container from Italy. Like they brought a container of them. They went around Italy, bought them off the street, put them in a container and shipped them over. That's cool. And then I had one <laughs> shipped to me from the people that got these. And so I got this old scooter that the floorboard was completely rusted out. I had no idea about Vespas, never worked on anything with an engine, never welded, never painted anything, never any of that. And so this was probably... I don't know, 19 years ago, something like that. And I got it because it was something completely foreign to me. And all of the things that I would have to fix were completely foreign to me. So went to Harbor Freight, bought the cheapest welder I could get, started just trying to figure out. I bought an angle grinder for the first time, cut the floor out of the thing, ordered a new floor, and had to figure out how to weld it in. So it was definitely trial by fire, <laughs> terrible work, you know, like... At, yeah. But it was the beginning. It was it was the first step into something that I'm still not very good at, honestly. And that's not me being, being modest. I'm like literally not very good at it. But <laughs> I at least have an understanding of it now, you know. And every time I do it, it gets a little bit better, a little bit yeah. more natural. And you know, so. welding has such a there. There's so many like hardcore, like it has to be look perfect. Like there's so much scrutiny in the welding world. <laughs> like when you yeah. post work. Like I, I struggle with it too because I make stuff all the time and I'll, I'll, I'll show it, but it'll be far away. You know, it'll be mm -hmm. the full picture. It's not that close up of every single weld that everybody loves to do. You know, yeah. But it's like it does the job. Like that's that's the main thing with welding is that if it's a solid weld and it does the job, like it doesn't matter how pretty it is. Like yeah, it's still gonna hold it together. But I strive to make them prettier and prettier too. It's, I mean, I'm trying, but I've, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not, a, honestly, it's not a big priority for me personally. I know that, you know, for somebody who, who has lived in a 
specific trade, whatever that trade is, they are constantly honing that skill. Mm-hmm. And so they get past the, is it strong enough thing pretty quickly, I would assume. And then they get to, well, the only way I can prove that I'm getting better is now to make it prettier, to make it nicer looking, to make it look like it wasn't any effort, which is awesome that they can continue to invest in that thing. But for those of us who just like, I need two pieces of metal to be stuck together. (laughs) That's the priority. You know, then I don't, I don't invest the time into getting the aesthetic and getting the technique and stuff. It's just, it's purely, it has to function. And that's okay with me because it's not my, you know, it's not the thing that I'm like trying to be known for or the thing that I'm really investing a lot of time in. So it's okay if the results are functional. (laughs) Well, I feel like what, what you just said, you know, like I'm not trying to be the best at this. I just need it to do what I need it to do. You know, it's like, I feel like that's what a lot of people that want to get into welding or want to use welding. They're like, I I don't really want to invest a year and a half becoming the greatest pipe welder I could possibly be before I even go out to the field. You know, I just want, I just want to, I want to make a go-kart and hopefully it it sticks together, you know? (laughs) I just keep stumbling into this viewpoint of, you know, a lot of people are terrified to get into, well, not terrified. They're just like deterred from getting into welding because they think it's one, there's a lot of misconceptions about the like danger and, you know, there, there are dangers just like any other power tool. You, you want to be using it correctly, but you know, there's a lot of advancements. You don't need a huge power source like you used to. Like you didn't you used to need big transformers. Now we got inverters where it could be in your shop. You can run it off your wall power and it'll yeah. stick that metal together. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's funny because I started with, you know, like I said, the the cheapest harbor freight one ten welder I could get. And then I was bad at it. And so <laughs> You know, part of me thought, well, I bought the cheapest thing I could buy. I mean, like, that's the problem. And so then I eventually I got a a little bit nicer welder that was basically the same thing, just from a different brand, you know. (laughs) So it's like, it's not getting any better. I don't understand. I I paid more money for this one. And but as I've gone through different machines and different types, you know, like MIG and, and, and Flux, and I've I realized that none of those things by themselves matter a ton, but they do matter. They cause you to have to be a certain way. Like you have to, if you have a 110 welder that you're using, and then this is just me learning that I learned that I have to pay more attention. Well, now I've got a 220 welder and it's like, it's a hot glue gun. It doesn't matter. I don't (laughs) have to be good at it. I can go zero and it's it's done, you know? (laughs) So a lot of that stuff, while it's not the key most important, you know, what machine you have, it does inform how you have to use it, I think. Um, and so I've gone back and forth between all those different, you know, things trying to like learn and unlearn and figure out that I'm the problem, not the machine and all that stuff. Well, <laughs> oh, and you set yourself up for a tricky way. Like, it's funny that the most, the cheapest welders out there are mostly flex core. And flex sure. core is like a confusing process in the first place because, yeah. It's like a hybrid of stick and MIG together. So like if you're just learning, it's gonna it's very confusing to like, okay, which one's the puddle? What's the slag? What's all the stuff on top of it? You know, yeah. it, it's funny that those are like the cheapest ways to get into welding, but it makes sense because you don't need the external gas and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. But 
it's it's just funny. That just was what made me laugh first getting it because I bought a Harbor Freight welder. That was my first welder, but it, I bought the stick side, and oh, okay. it it was because I was in school for like I I was in the pathway to go and be like a structural or pipe welder, and so I had to practice laying those beads man and so i was like harbor freight here we go 80 amp welder like this <laughs> yeah. is where i'm gonna learn how to be the greatest welder in the world with this tiny little machine but i've done jobs with that machine still it's i mean just, honestly if you can do a good weld with a cheap machine that's proof that you are a good welder right it's not i'm the other way around <laughs> i've got a pretty nice <laughs> welder and that, that makes me be able to weld okay i'm all right with that it's just using the machines out there and making yeah. machines work for you but speaking of making machines work for you, sometimes you got to make the machines to do the work for you. Mm-hmm. And you just did a video recently that really caught my eye about making powder coating without an oven. You know, uh, there's the powder coating world is something that a lot of people, you know, I would love to powder coat a bunch of stuff, but I don't want to run it down there, you know, and I don't have a powder coating set up at my house yet. But right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But you showed that, you know, there's workarounds that you can do. So do you want to kind of chat about how you came up with the whole idea for that video? Oh, yeah, sure. So years ago, I I got a motorcycle frame. It's funny, I've had all these weird, these different vehicles that have never <laughs> been completed. But I have this 1955 Harley. And uh, it's a really small frame. But it's kind of like a mountain bike size frame. And so it, Years ago, I was trying to get this thing going and trying to paint the frame, and I realized that like the paint wasn't going to last, and so I started looking at how people make durable finishes on things, got to powder coating, and immediately saw that, well, people powder coat in little tiny ovens, you know, toaster ovens and stuff, and if you go past that, then you have to have like a room-sized oven room yeah. thing that like, who has that? Yeah. So... I, I just kind of set it aside. I actually have never gone back to finish that bike or finish that frame because I just had never had a way to do it. Well, recently, I was just brainstorming about that and started looking up how people do it. And, you know, Eastwood and all these companies like that sell these powder cutting like rack things. You can roll up. It has heating elements on them. And they're like thousands of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> like way too expensive for what they are. And so I started looking up the heating elements and just found two of them on Amazon for 50 bucks. It's like the same thing, same wattage, same, you know, I'm like, all right, this is, this is dumb. Like I can make this whole thing for a hundred bucks or whatever. And so I just started playing with the idea of mounting infrared heaters on something. And then, you know, as I looked into it more and more, I definitely didn't come up with this. I mean, people do this all the time. They will build paint booths and they will put these same heaters all the way around to completely cure paint or, you know, powder coating or whatever they're using powder coating, you need about 400 degrees. So it doesn't really require a lot of an, an especially high amount of heat or anything. You just have to have the right temperature. So I thought I'll just make a rack where I can mount a couple of these inexpensive heaters on the rack, and then I can move the rack to whatever I want to powder coat. And it, honestly, the response to that video has been, I didn't think it was really that great of an idea. I was just, an idea. It's a great but idea. <laughs> people people are really surprised that that's possible. And so if anything, I'm just happy that it's opened somebody's eyes to a new technique that they didn't think they could use otherwise. Because 
powder coating is really cool. And it's a whole art that I have just barely dipped my toes into. And I, you know, I don't know a whole lot about it, honestly, but I've got the tool now. So <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> time is a- the only reason that I haven't done more of it, but. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you tired of carrying multiple pieces of equipment on your service truck? Lincoln Electric has introduced the solution, the Ranger Air 260 MPX. This multifunction engine drive combines an air compressor, generator, battery charger, battery jump starter, and multi-process welder in one compact device. Specifically designed for the unpredictable circumstances and job demands of the work truck industry. But that's not all. The Ranger Air 260 MPX is also designed to provide a lower cost of ownership with features such as auto stop-start technology and an electronic throttle body engine with variable engine speed. Don't miss out on this versatile and reliable machine that can handle any demanding job site. Visit www.lincolnelectric.com for more information on the Ranger Air 260 MPX available later this year and save space on your truck for other tools and gear with this compact power horse. That's what I like about your videos. Like I one of my favorites that I saw throughout the years was the secret the like hidden doorway where you like built a yeah. doorway into a bookshelf like Yeah. But it's just like showing all these possibilities, you know, and I feel like in the welding, there's a lot of things that kind of translate to both. It's like all it takes is you to just try. It's like if you want to build a big barbecue smoker, just try, you know, it's like your imagination is the only thing that's holding you back. You know, if you could think it, it's reality. You just got to make it happen. Like, yeah, I I think there's a lot of projects like that, like the, the, the door where somebody, most people look at the project as a, as a whole and they go like, well, I can't build that because I don't understand how that entire thing works. But, or, you know, or you think that you buy a powder coating oven from a big place that's thousands and thousands of dollars. Well, there's some magic in in that thing that I can't recreate because I don't really understand how it works. But everybody who makes big things, they make it out of smaller things. They make it out of components that have to be purchased somewhere. They make it out of hardware that has to be purchased from somewhere that's made by somebody else, you know, and a little bit of brainstorming and a little bit of research can help you find those components that are the magic for the big project. And so like even the secret door, it's, it's a door on hinges. It's not really that special, but (laughs) nobody thinks about the fact that a gate latch with a wire going to a book is all you need to make that happen. It's very, very simple. Um, and so I think I enjoy looking for those little, like, what's a, what's a different piece of hardware that will make this thing possible or a different component that you wouldn't use otherwise that can make a project attainable, somebody that they can do it in their home, like those heaters, you know, I mean, yeah. you wouldn't know to go to look for those heaters unless you had a purpose for them, but they're cheap and they're available and they're easy to use and, you know, and it's a really good thing to have in the shop in the winter. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they put out a lot of heat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I was talking to there's a, a guy, Johnny S. Welds. He we were debating the M or the like Milwaukee or DeWalt like uh heated jackets. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because we were like space heaters they cook they're not they're not hidden, you know. So yeah. it's just I never thought I would want a battery powered jacket, but 
you know, it's there. Somebody yeah. thought of it, you know. Yeah. You can wait for the, the Bluetooth jacket. That's all you need. Just, I know. I'm waiting some for the Bluetooth welders, you know. Oh, like, I, okay. <laughs> I, can, I can weld from across the room, you know. <laughs> I don't know if it's ever going to happen. but Yeah, probably not. Hey, but it's a, an idea. We just got to right. find the small things to make that big thing a reality. That's that's a good point. <laughs> uh, well, you know, making things a reality and the maker community in general, you know, it's like, uh, what is your best explanation of what a maker is? We talk about this on our podcast a lot because it's different for every single person. So my definition isn't important, but I've always looked at it as someone who is willing to problem solve their way out of something, whether that's, you know, I need a, I need a table for that corner because I need a place to put a book or I need to be able to powder coat something (laughs) bigger than my toaster (laughs) oven. You know, I think it's, it's a willingness, a maker has a willingness to create the solution for a problem. And, you know, sometimes that's a a technical thing. Sometimes it's a skill thing. Sometimes it's a code thing. It's sometimes it's a food thing. I mean, somebody who makes a food that didn't exist before, they still solved a problem. They still created a thing to fill a need. And so I think it's a mentality, not a skill set. I mean, maybe it is a skill set of problem solving, but I think, you know, a lot of people can fall into that category of maker. I think it's just a willingness to solve things. Yeah. I, after going to maker camp, I was like, I think I might secretly be a maker. Like maybe that's <laughs> just what I've been this whole time, you know? Well, I think it's also like a nice broad term for somebody who is into more than one thing. Like I, yeah. <laughs> you call me a woodworker, I'd be like, no, no. Like, because compared to woodworkers, yeah. I'm a total hack. Compared to welders, I'm a total hack. Compared, you know, and I could go on and on. Like, I'm just barely any of those things. And I wouldn't really claim them, but a maker is a nice way to say, like, I'm a, I do a lot of, a little bit of a lot of things, you know? I like to make stuff, you know? That's right. <laughs> yeah. The name is not on, on accident. <laughs> the name is completely on purpose. Well, and do you do, so one thing I've always just kind of wondered, like, do you do all of, you do a lot of like design in in CAD and and on the computer, but like, did you do all of the designs for like your logo and all that kind of stuff too? No, I'm actually graphic designing. I have there's a big gap in my my skill set and my understanding around graphic design. So my friend Jonathan Forby, he works with me and has since the very beginning. We've been friends for I don't know twenty years or something. Um, he's an incredible designer and does he edits videos he made the logo he you know the things look good on the channel because of him not because of me like i that's it's not my thing i wish it was i wish i had that skill but i don't it's funny because a lot of people they don't realize how youtube works you know it's like youtube it's not like when you start growing you getting you're getting better and better there's so many things that go into running a channel like outside of just making a video, you know, it's oh, like yeah. a lot of people are like, yeah, you just record it, you put it up on the internet and then it, it goes, you know, it's like, no, yeah. like when it comes to your videos, do you like storyboard a lot or is it just kind of like, here's a broad idea and we're just going to roll with it and see what kind of story comes out? Or is it like point A, point B, point C? It's probably more broad. I mean, we've definitely tried both approaches depending on the video and depending on the time of my career, because it's been so long, we've tried different things. 
But more often than not, it's here's the goal. Here's the thing I want to get to. I know that there's going to be some problems along the way or some process along the way that's really interesting. And so we're just going to try to hit that along the way to get to the end thing. And then I lean on him a whole lot to pull those pieces together and make a story out of them. You know, we do try to talk ahead of time about setting up some uh, some questions at the beginning to be answered at the end, because that only not only helps make the video and the story more interesting, but it also helps me make sure that I'm covering the right thing. So in this next video that's coming up, it's actually about making like a, a flip top tool cart and just spending a few minutes ahead of time thinking like, what am I actually trying to accomplish here? Not just make a cart, but like why make a cart? What does it need to do? And I just came up with four quick things that I wanted it to do better at than what I already had. And before I started shooting, having those four things told me how I should explain the thing and what was important and and how I needed to kind of have checkpoints along the way to accomplish something. And, you know, it did the thing that I wanted it to do. Now it's going to do the next thing that I wanted it to do. So, you know, it's an evolving process all the time. And we've definitely tried it a bunch of different ways. Some have worked. Some have not worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, at what you're talking about, like the problems, because that's something that, you know, some people, they'll try to cut out all the problems and just leave like the perfect. But I feel like most people learn more from the problems than they learn from the perfect, you know? Oh, absolutely. You make a mistake. I'll probably make the same one, you know, especially if I'm trying something for the first time. Yeah. Uh, And and I get a lot of feedback from people about that. I mean, I'm, I am not going to try to show myself off as something I'm not. And I definitely would not cut out all the mistakes to make myself look better. Um, But leaving them in also, I've heard from a lot of people just gives them some confidence that even mm-hmm. somebody that they might look up to or somebody they respect or just somebody they like watching or whatever is still going to make the same mistakes, still going to have to deal with the problems that th- those the viewers going to have to deal with when they make their own thing. It's like, you know, you're commiserating with somebody. You have something in common with somebody when you realize that you're in the same place. And that's way more important than to me than like looking like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, you're human. You're human. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. that human aspect. Yeah. Uh, and like, I mean, I, I know I always try, I, I, my job here, like what I, I made my own role where I was, I was like, I'm going to be the guy that's not afraid to ask the dumb questions. I'm going to be the guy that's not afraid to not be the best welder. So people can give me feedback to learn, you know, mm, it's like, yeah. that's what I want to be here at weld.com. And that's what I do with this podcast is like, I just want to learn. I want to learn. I want to ask the questions. I know somebody else is going to have, but you know, people are kind of afraid to look dumb or like look like they don't know what this is going on. And so I feel like there's like people like you that aren't afraid to show I'm not perfect. I make mistakes and, but we're going to fix it together. I'm not just going to leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I I don't know if that's why I've never gone super deep on any skill set or not, but I really like, not knowing things. I really enjoy going into something kind of blind and just having to, I don't know, have like some revelation about it or walk out of it with like, Oh, cool. Well, now I know this thing or whatever. That's a lot of fun to me. And I think to try to pass yourself off as already knowing it all for me anyway, that just, that wouldn't be any fun that (laughs) I'm not that guy. I'm I'm curious. Like I've always been curious and yeah, I love 
I love like my my parents think I'm crazy sometimes, you know, because I I dabble in so many different things. Like I've done music, I was a guitar tech, I weld, I did woodworking, I was an ice carver. Oh uh, wow. <laughs> not making sculptures. I just carved like five hundred blocks or five hundred pound blocks of ice down to little rocks and shards for a fancy cocktail bar. That Whoa. was <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. It was it was pretty nuts. Like I would have to like chainsaw this big block down into small blocks and then use a knife to cut those smaller blocks into smaller blocks. It was so just for cocktails. Like it was Wow. Yeah. That sounds like yeah. a cold day. <laughs> oh no, I would do it on the I would do it on the roof. I would it was in Nashville. Like when I was living out there, they had me they had this building downtown where they had the the big cooler, but then they had this like penthouse spot with a big patio on the roof and they're like that's where you cut the ice and i was like okay <laughs> <You know? laughs> wow okay it's like all right man like cool it, it was just it's so it's so funny like that people i feel like a lot of people will hold themselves back from just like interest because they're like ah mm. no i could never do that like i did that with welding you know i used to help my old roommate he would build uh custom motorcycles out in the garage and i would watch you know like I would watch and then he would let me like do a weld here or there. But, you know, I was like, yeah, no, I'm not a welder, you know, but then I tried it. I was like, oh, man, I guess I am a welder. You know, it's like I guess I have this in my blood still, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always like to try to give people advice, you know, and considering that you are, I would say, a jack of all trades. You know, it's like the the jack. I don't know what the full um saying it's a jack of all trades but a master of none but something is it, it's just better to have more skill sets than just one you yeah know? yeah it's like a jack of all trades is more valuable than someone that is focused just on one but yeah. i always try to give people advice that are either new to the welding industry or they want to go further or they want to like start a side hustle that starts like can make a career for them what kind of advice would you give for people that are just trying to get into this industry, you know, or get into the making industry? Well, I mean, I would think with welding, the way that it's worked out for me is so the way that I do things is a little more public than a lot of other people may want to start. Right. So a lot of times when I do something new for the first time, it's very public and I get a lot of feedback, whether I ask for it or not, which is fine. But I think the, best way to do it is to put something out there in front of people who can give you constructive feedback. And so if you know anybody that welds at all, ask them, you know, like just whether they're in person or online or whatever, send them pictures of what you do. Tell them the settings you have, tell them what you did and say, help me make this better. And they will immediately have feedback. Anybody with any experience at all is going to be like, oh, well, you forgot to turn the gas on. Oh, you, you know, you're moving too fast or whatever. And those are all things I've heard. <laughs> and that stuff from somebody with experience will make the next one better. And the more you do that, you know, in I think in a small group of people who are willing to help you, it's, it's going to make a big difference. And there's a lot of people on Instagram that are willing to help that just want to see everybody else do better at the things that they're trying to do. So finding those people, I don't think is actually that hard, but in general, you know, I think not being afraid to fail has a lot to do with how successful you are. Because if you put a lot of pressure on yourself when you're making your first 
whatever, if the pressure is too high, anything other than perfection is going to feel like a failure. And that's not going to motivate you to do any more in the future. So when people ask me about making videos, my response is always the same. And I think this applies to everything else too. Make the first one with the intention of never showing it to anybody, which I know is counter to what I said a minute ago. But the point being, make it as the process, not as the product. Make it so that you have done a video before and you can get to the end of it and you can go, oh, wow, I was out of focus the entire time. Now I know (laughs) that I need to keep it in focus. Or, man, I talk way too much or I don't talk at all. Next time, I'm going to talk. But if you do the first one with no stakes, with no... You know, there's there's nothing on the line. Nobody has to see it. Nobody has to, it, it's not paying for anything. If you do the first one that way, there's no pressure to it and you can learn everything, not everything. You can learn a lot about the process so that when you go to actually do one for money or for releasing into the world, you've got one under your belt. And I think you can apply that to whether you're talking about video or making furniture for your house or something for somebody else. I think it's all the same. So, yeah, just got to do it. Just got to yeah. do it. Knock that yeah. first one out. My first, like, I, I'm going to start building custom pedal boards for a bunch of my friends in the in the nice. music industry. But I built one. The first one I ever built was, like, when I first started welding. And I was like, oh, man, I can't wait. I'm going to, like, put this out. It's going to be super cool. And I, I go to start welding it. And, it like, I didn't know what I was doing yet, you know? It's like yeah. I, I wasn't sure of how to actually manipulate like I, it was really thin tubing and I was trying to stick weld it. I was just blowing holes, just big old bad welds on there, you know, <laughs> and I put it up on the internet. I was like, look at this. It's so cool, you know, but then I've played with that pedal board for a year and a half now. And I'm like, it's mm. time to retire. It's time to do a real one. I didn't really make that with the expectation of showing it off and being like, I'm going to start opening a pedal boards shop, you know? Yeah. Like that wasn't the, the ambition behind that but it was like i'm just gonna go ahead and see if i can make this happen and then i did share it with the world and i i didn't get any bad feedback you know but Hmm. that's because people couldn't really see the welds (laughs) (laughs) and you know that means you're good at photography that's that's fine yeah oh yeah that was another one of the things that i dabble in i truly am a big fan of your work and it's just like you're such an honest person like just what i could tell on on the screen and then my first conversation with you, like (laughs) it's exactly, you know, they always say don't meet your heroes, but you know, sometimes when you do, it's a good experience, not a bad one. (laughs) (laughs) I I appreciate that very much. Yeah, man. Well, where can people find all of your stuff? Cause you make a lot of stuff. I do make a lot of stuff. Um, everything is at I like to make stuff.com and you can get to the podcast there and the videos and our products and online courses and all that stuff is in one place. Just one-stop shop. That's, That's the way right. to do it. Yep. Well, I've really appreciated ch- the chat, and I'm I'm happy I finally got to just talk to you one-on-one and still going to watch all your videos no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate but, it. Thank you very yeah. much. And thanks for having me. This is, this is fun. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. And thank you, Bob, for chatting with me. It really was awesome to hear your story, and I'm glad I got to meet you. Make sure you check out all his work over at iliketomakestuff.com, which I will have down in the show notes. I also want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, Donaldson and Lincoln Electric, for making the show possible and helping us all learn about the different pathways available in the industry. 
If you have a topic that you would like me to cover or you want to be on the show as a guest, reach out to me on the Weld app at Bo Did It or shoot me an email to bowdatweld.com. Speaking of the app, if you're looking to make a project, check out our e-learning section. If you get stuck on that project, you can actually reach out to the instructor that made the video to ask questions as well as having downloadable resources. Download the app today to see everything it can do to take your career to the next level. Until next time, we'll see you out there.